Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. When God came down on Mount Sinai, I mean, you read the Old Testament, he came down in fire, like a massive column of volcanic ash and fire and smoke. It filled the mountain and God showed up. And you know what? If I see something like that in my backyard, I'm running. And that's what the people of Israel did. They ran as fast as they could away from God. But the fire that consumes came for a cause. It did not come to destroy. It came to bring life. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Thanks for listening today. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled, The Church on Fire. As the Church on Fire will bring you the first portion of this broadcast today. Here's our pastor teacher, Michael Oxentenko. Dear Father God, we are adapting to a new environment. We are learning what it means to worship here. And we are learning what it means to submit ourselves to the authority of Jesus in the Bible. So give us the mind of Christ, Lord. Submission to the truth of God for this time and the love and the life. May we be the church on fire in the right way, not fake fire, the real fire of God's spirit in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Angelica Hale is a little girl who shouldn't be able to sing at all. I mean, that's a fact. If you've been following her story, it's been occupying the national news in many sectors. You'll understand what I'm talking about. In fact, she shouldn't even be alive at all. If the expert's prognosis held sway in her life, her life would have ended when she was four years old. But Angelica was a little girl with a whole lot of heart and a whole lot of life, and she just could not help but making a difference with that heart and life in her way. It was her dream to sing like an angel. In fact, at the age of two, she was just chirping away. Angelica's story commands attention because she represents the perennial tale of beauty and the beast of bad circumstances turned good and how she faced the specter of an awful outcome and made it into a good story. Little Angelica Hale was singing songs at the age of two. There must have been in her DNA this singing gene. Do some of you have the singing gene here? Well, if you don't, we have the acoustics for it, don't we? I mean, you can sing in this place. We're going to pull back some of the echo in time, but, you know, we don't want to lose it all. And her young heart just wanted to sing. A heart of a child. Her heart's desire was rudely assaulted by her childhood illness. Something happened to her quite early that just totally took this out of stage. At the age of four, she got sick and a very aggressive kind of bacteria that changed her life. After a week of fighting that thing that suddenly came into her, it turned into a serious case of double pneumonia. Angelica was then taken hastily to Children's Health Care in Atlanta, Georgia. The first two days of her ordeal were life-threatening for her, and her parents were on edge as they were trying to save the life of their little girl. Her blood was infected, and her body became inflamed, and she developed the full case what they call sepsis. Now, I have had sepsis. Anybody here been in the sepsis club? 
A few of you have. You know, in Civil War, when people got shot, they couldn't have antibiotics. They got sepsis, the infection of the blood. And I was, a few years ago, in septic shock. I preached one Sabbath, and I was moving toward full sepsis Saturday afternoon, and I was dying Sunday, and many of you didn't even know it. I lost 35 pounds as that infection ate away at my body, and I showed up in church the next Sabbath, and I looked a lot thinner. And people said, Pastor Mike, how did you lose so much weight? I said, well, I won't tell you now. Now you know. Sepsis is like a fire. You're a person on fire when the infection is running through your body. And it can take you out in a day. My infection started toward my kidneys, but it didn't get there. For that, I'm thankful. But if it had, I could have lost the function of my kidneys. I struggled with sepsis as a grown man a few years ago. But this little girl struggled with sepsis at the age of four. The infection was a fire, and she was literally a little girl on fire because of the bacteria in her blood. The fire of that infection had ravaged her body. She had multiple organ failures. She started bleeding badly from her lungs. Air escaped into her abdomen. I mean, she was a biological mess. They put her on a ventilator to survive and an oscillator to make sure that the oxygen levels remained the same. She had multiple transfusions, and finally her kidneys failed as she became a serious case of kidney scar tissue, and then the dialysis machine was introduced. She was a girl on fire. She spent 80 days in the hospital, and the little girl who wanted to sing was redefined as a girl who could barely breathe, who was struggling to live, a girl on fire with sepsis. In time, dialysis became a part of her weekly routine as she emerged from the fire of the infection, rebuilding her life as a child with mom and dad to make it happen. Surgeries followed, and there were many therapy sessions to help her get her lungs back, but it was not an easy road or a quick road, but it began. Now, while she was still in a state of kidney failure, she asked her parents to just let her sing let me sing mommy and daddy. And so they signed her up with Trisha Gray and Alfreda Georgia and her music teacher began to work with her and she began to sing while she was still ill. A few months later, she performed on stage for the very first time. She was nervous, but she sang the song with all of her heart because life is about singing, is it not? Life is about joy. And this little girl had a heart to sing. A search for her kidney ensued, and it went all over the country. Finally, it came right back home, and her mother gave her her kidney. Her mother gave the kidney that saved her life, and with that gift, the glow of life, the immense importance of being blessed, it settled on her, and she realized that she was here for a purpose. Angelica auditioned for America's Got Talent, and she chose to sing Andre Day's version of the song, Rise Up. Her cute smile, her warm story suddenly became the song of a little girl surmounting her greatest challenge to rise up, to overcome when it looks like death has you down. She melted the hearts of the judges and they suddenly realized that this girl is special. And one of them said, you're here to win all the way to the end. She will sing in the finals this year. We don't know if she will win them or not, but we do know that it really doesn't matter. Because Angelica is already a winner because she has risen up. She has become what she has dreamed of being, a singer. Her signature song in the talent show hit YouTube and it defines her life and struggle. Now I'm going to say forthrightly, I'm not a fan of secular music at all. You with me? I'm a Christian. I'm not a fan of secular music, but I study human nature. 
And I watched that YouTube song on America's Got Talent that went viral because I want to understand what's going through people's minds when they have to surmount the things that this little girl did. And the girl whose life was redefined by the fire of a blood infection, she chose the song, Girl on Fire. She brought the crowd to their feet, cheering her because she could not do anything other than sing like a girl on fire. She rose from the ashes of her illness to be a girl on fire. And I hope one day she learns to sing the songs of Canaan, the song of the Lamb, the songs that are the greatest song, and sing the song of salvation on the sea of glass mixed with fire. In the Bible, the people of God became ill in the Old Testament. They got sick. They lost their way with God time and time again. And as they lost their way, the illness of their personal and corporate rebellion became a serious illness. They developed spiritual sepsis. The infection of sin came into them. They were not that different than we are on the eve of the advent of Jesus because we are living today, dear heart, in a time in which the Christian church is suffering from an illness and an infection that has taken away the life of God from the church. We need the fire of God in the right way, but the illness to go away. The ancient people of God were guilty of the sin of rebellion against God, against God's word, against God's mercy, his truth, and thus they rejected the prophets. And we are living in a day like that where smart people think they're smarter than the Bible, where people who think that they can substitute human reason and philosophy for a clear thus saith the Lord. Dear heart, I stand in the pulpit today and I proclaim to you that I have no authority to speak to you today unless it is through the authority that is in the Bible. Do you hear me? And that authority in the Bible is the word of Jesus Christ comes to us that we might be saved. Now the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 1 verse 4 spoke to us down through the centuries. Let's take a look at this. He says, Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord. You see, it's possible to know about the Lord. It's possible to come to church. It's possible to have all the trappings of religion and to have effectively forsaken the Lord in your life. Do you hear me? And they have despised the Holy One of Israel. And then he says they are utterly estranged. Why will you be smitten that you continue to rebel? And then he begins to use a medical term to describe the condition of the ancient Jewish people. But it describes the church today as well. The whole head is sick, the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and bleeding wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Spiritual sepsis. The judgment of God was clear. The people of God who rejected the fire that is God... Because the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. And it says in another place, God is love. You see, the fire of God is love, and the fire is the light that shows the way, and God is love. They rejected that fire. You see, it's possible in our life to substitute other things for the Word of God. It's possible to bring into our life the opinions of others, our own self-assessments, and to not feed on the Bible, to not feed on the words of Christ. And when we have that kind of fire, we do not have the fire that ignites the church in the heart. Isaiah is speaking of that in Isaiah 50, verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? 
who walks in darkness and has no light, yet trusts in the name of the Lord and relies on his God. Dear heart, God is calling on us as Christians to trust God when we don't have the answers to everything. He's calling on us to trust him when it looks dark and to recognize there is a light in the darkness that we cannot see, but it is there. You are listening to Reaching Your Heart. More with Pastor Michael Tanko in just a moment. A reminder, we are a listener-funded ministry. We do appreciate your support. If you can help us out with a financial contribution, here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can also find us on the web at reachingyourheart.com. Here he is, Pastor Mike, once again. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who set brands alight. Now he's saying you light your own fire. Instead of relying on God's fire, you're lighting your own. Now here's what's going to happen. Walk by the light of your fire and by the brands which you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. The people that were sick were destined for the fire that consumes the adversary. You see, if we do not get God's fire in our life, if we do not have the presence of the Holy Spirit, we are left to our fire, and our fire goes out, and in the end, we end up in the fire. So I want the right fire in my life. What about you? I want to have the Lord Jesus living in me and not something else. The Old Testament ends with the promise of that fire, the fire that we need that will come with the Messiah, that will sift the sons of Levi and purify them all to offer right sacrifices to God. Turn to Malachi 3 verse 1, one of the great messianic promises of the Bible. Behold, I send my messenger to prepare the way before me, John the Baptist, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. God raised up John the Baptist to be the angel or messenger, the human messenger, that would prepare the way for the angel, the messenger of God's everlasting covenant, the message of God's eternal covenant of who he is and what he does to save us. Verse 2, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purify of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver till they present right offerings to the Lord. Have you ever felt like, well, this religion thing ought to be easy for me? I shouldn't have to be roughed up to be a Christian. You ever thought about that? You have never thought about that? Well, I have. There have been times in my life I ask the question, why is it hard to follow God's course in this particular area? And I get opposition. You see, the person who's going to live for the Lord Jesus will suffer to some degree persecution in their life. Did you know that? I mean, the devil's not going to leave you having an easy track if you're really doing the things of God. He's going to bring opposition into your life so that it will, in fact, appear to be difficult. And so Christ comes to us providentially in our life as a refiner's fire to grow us, to bring us to greatness in God. And we have to go through the fire to experience it. The people of God must be purified by the fire of God. They must rise up and sing a new song because they have been through the fire. Promise was made in the Old Testament that God's people would rise as God would raise up the fallen booth of David. In Acts 15, the church was struggling. Can we accept these Gentiles, these new believers into the church who don't worship the way we do, who don't think the way we do, who don't dress the way we do, who don't look the way we do? We don't like Gentiles. We were taught that. But Jesus says, love your enemies, and they're not our enemies. He says, they're our brethren. 
So what do we do? How do we bring them in? And they struggle with the issue of circumcision. You know, the great sign of Judaism. Do we make them get circumcised like us or not? And so on. So they had a great world session to pan out that question. And it was decided right there in Acts 15, they would use the Holy Scriptures to answer the question. And the Holy Spirit came upon the church and they were guided to be flexible and yet at the same time committed to the Bible. And they opened the doors for the Gentiles to become Christians. An amazing thing. And James, the brother of Jesus, stood up and proclaimed the text of Amos 9, 11 to 15 as the scripture that says they must accept the Gentiles. Let me share it with you. He rose and he proclaimed at that council what Amos had said. In that day, God writes, I will raise up the booth or tent of David that has fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name says the Lord. Verse 13, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes. Him who sows seed, the mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. Verse 14, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel. Now that's a promise you can underline in your Bible. Struggling with my RA, stock market crash. God says there comes a time in your life when he will restore your fortunes. And it comes when you are committed to God To God's church, his service, and his plan, God will restore your life. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel that they shall rebuild. Now, why does he restore fortunes here? Not so you can just stuff them in a corner. The purpose is a holy calling, that they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. Now, the landscaping people, how many of you noticed the landscaping people have been working on the property here? Can I share with you a secret? Here's the secret. I talked to the landscaper this week. I said, sir, we have some plantings that we need in this church. Could we add some fruit trees in the back? Like peaches and apples and pears. And guess what? Fruit trees are online. When that backfield opens up, we're going to have a garden going on. And we're going to have the joy of experiencing some of our own fruit. All right, get back to the sermon here. It says, they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. That's us. I will plant them upon their land, and they shall never again be plucked out of the land which I have given them, says the Lord your God. That is a promise for us. And so the early church became the planting, the vineyard of the Lord, the people of the promise, the people of the cross, planted by the great victory of God they were for a holy mission in life. The promise of Christ's coming, friend, is a promise that the church of Christ can be set on fire for holy and godly ends at the end of time. When God came down on Mount Sinai, I mean, you read the Old Testament, he came down in fire, like a massive column of volcanic ash and fire and smoke. It filled the mountain and God showed up. And you know what? If I see something like that in my backyard, I'm running. And that's what the people of Israel did. They ran as fast as they could away from God. But the fire that consumes came for a cause. It did not come to destroy. It came to bring life. It came to purify the people of God. Turn to Exodus 20, verse 18. Now here, Moses is recording what transpired as the Ten Commandments were spoken. When all the people perceived the thunderings and the lightnings and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking... The people were what? What does the Bible say? They were afraid. And they trembled and they stood afar off. 
Boy, there have been times in my religious experience when I've been afraid of God. When I've been afraid that God would whack at me. You ever felt that way? But I felt like, you know, maybe God's out to get me or something. And that's a human response when we see the glory and majesty of God. Verse 19. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will live, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. I mean, he talks to us, we drop dead. That's not a good thing, Moses. He brought us out of Egypt so we can look at a God that will burn us to death? Come on. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. Now Jesus would say that very often in his ministry. Don't be afraid. For God has come to prove you and that the fear of him may be before your eyes that you may not sin. I don't like the English translation here because it's not literal enough. The Hebrew literally reads in verse 20, for God has come to test you that his fear literally will be upon your faces so you will not sin. Now, they were afraid of the fire. They knew that God is a fire. It says that in Deuteronomy 4, that our God is a consuming fire. It's quoted in Hebrews 12. And so they knew that God is a fire, and they were afraid of God because God is a fire. And God was saying, I have come so that the fire that you are afraid of, the presence that you are running from will be upon your faces so you will not sin. You see, we need the fire. The people of God drew far away from God because they were afraid, but God drew close to them. And so Moses went up into that mountain. His face was set on fire because he knew that in order to have God, he needed the Holy Spirit fire of God. He must meet God face to face. And the Bible is very clear. His face began to shine. And because it began to shine, people began to look away from him just like they did from God. That glory faded because a greater glory was coming, according to Paul in 2 Corinthians. God determined that he would raise up his church At a time when people would not be running from the fire, they would run to God in Christ and receive the fire. Why? Because we need to become the church on fire. Our hope is in the fire. Acts 2 verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come. Now Jesus had died on the cross. He was resurrected. He had interacted with those precious early Christians. And when they got used to him being alive, he ascended to heaven. But he left with them the promise of the Holy Spirit. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the comforter, the spirit, and he'll lead you into all truth. And so we find on the day of Pentecost, right here in Acts 2.1, the grand fulfillment of the promise of Christ. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, kind of like church here. And suddenly a sound came from heaven, like the rush of a mighty wind, like our duck system. You can hear it sometimes. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them, what does it say in the text? What does it say? Not fire, tongues as of fire. So fire and tongues together. Distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, just like the fire that came down on Mount Sinai, it's the same time. You see, God showed up in the third month at Mount Sinai. That's the time of the Feast of Pentecost. And so we find the New Testament fulfillment of Sinai being worked out right here at the time of Pentecost. The law was given in the Old Testament in the third month at Sinai. You see, what happened at Pentecost is equally relevant, maybe more so, in fact. God takes the same law that he spoke at Sinai. And in the New Covenant... At the Feast of Pentecost, he writes it with fire upon the mind and the heart of his people. He does not put it on stone. He puts it where it needs to go. Now, how many of you are here sitting in a blue chair? 
sitting in a blue chair. Now, what color is the ceiling above us? You have learned that the Ten Commandment law of God was taken physically from the blue sapphire throne of God. And when you go to Exodus chapter 10, you'll find that that blue sapphire throne of God from which the law of God came, there is fire within it. God's law is mixed with the fire. You see, we cannot live the law of God in our life. We cannot be obedient in our life without the fire of the Holy Spirit, the love of God in our life. We must be the church on fire. So they all gathered in one place there, and that describes a unity of purpose. The church is together here. In Acts 1.14, the Greek text says they were in a state of homothumidon. That's the Greek. It means one accord of one mind, of one purpose. Self-interest was set aside for the interest and purpose of God, for the needs of others. One purpose, one plan reigned supreme in the hearts of those early Christians converted in heart to God. They were determined to take the message of a crucified and risen Savior to the world, the message of God's forgiveness. And they were determined that there would be no one left out from that call. And they knew that they could not do this unless they were in one place, in one accord, seeking the Spirit of God. And so they gathered to pray. And they gathered to surrender their ways to God. And they prayed for God to show them the way. That's why we have to pray here. I mean, really. We're not going to get to heaven unless we have the same attitude of praying for the power of God in our life. So when the mighty wind of the Holy Spirit broke into that upper room, they were filled with the Holy Spirit as tongues of fire settled on their heads. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. We are a listener-supported ministry and would love for you to partner with us as we continue to present Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in practical and relevant ways. Call us right now at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Visit the website reachingyourheart.com to find out more about this ministry, Reaching Your Heart, and Pastor Michael Oxentenko. That's Reaching Your yourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. You can donate right there on the website, reachingyourheart.com. 888-244-HOPE. Thanks for listening. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart. 